This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. Doc Thompson and Skip McCall in for Pat and Stu today. We barely made it into the studio. Um, we were busy talking Glenn off of the ledge, uh, making sure no sharp objects were around him. That was uh, quite the duty. I wish somebody else would, uh, would follow him around the rest of the day and make sure that everything's okay because he's a little upset today, yeah, a little normally, bit frustrated. Yeah, normally Pat and Stu are kind of there to go mm -hmm. ahead and talk mm -hmm. him off the ledge a little bit, but today that kind of fell to us. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a serious day. There's a lot of bad stuff going on, potential for a lot of bad, but, uh, you know, still, if you play the odds game, everything's going to be fine. Well, we can hope. Uh, you play the odds, everything's going to be fine. There's bad stuff that happens all the time. That's the best I got. That's, <laughs> that's the best spin I can put on it today. That's it. All right, here's the latest what's going on. If you haven't been following it overnight, Apparently, some Turkish uh, surface day, was it surface? No, it was, uh, uh, it was plane. plane. It was plane yeah. to plane. Plane to plane missile shot down a Russian aircraft. Two pilots ended up being killed. That's the latest. The second pilot was actually killed as well. Early on, we thought it was one pilot. We thought one had been killed, one was captured. Its two pilots have been killed. That's where it stands, and Russia is not happy. Vladimir Putin has come out and basically said, hey, <laughs> We're, we're going we're to make sure somebody pays for this sort of thing. Now, what you have there is a NATO country in uh, Turkey who has now been um, put at odds with Russia. Russia is joining America and France in taking on ISIS in Syria. And obviously Putin has had some contentious relationships with President Obama. So this has got a lot of moving little pieces. And when you stack that against the recent attacks in Paris and everything else going on in the Middle East with Syria and Assad, it adds up to a whole lot of bad, especially if you follow the timeline of what's happened since the Arab Spring and the tax and everything else, ISIS, uh, you know, getting more and more power and steam, putting the caliphate together. This is pretty rough. It looks pretty bad. Again, where's it going? Nobody knows for sure. Tomorrow a meteor could hit us all. Tomorrow everybody could put their weapons down. Everything could be wonderful. But it looks pretty bad. No, and there are a lot of angles that make this look really bad. Turkish, Turkey has come out now and said that they actually warned the aircraft ten times to avoid the airspace and didn't get any response from the, uh, from the Russian pilots. At that point, now Turkey is also saying that the Russian uh, aircraft fired on Turkish uh, airplanes itself, too. That's when the Turkish uh, airplanes took artillery fire and downed the jet. So 
there's so many questions. First of all, why didn't the Russian jet respond? Why didn't they respond? This isn't a case of, or doesn't appear to be a case of, oh, guess what? Our communications were out. We, we tried to respond. We couldn't. It wasn't that. They had to have, with you know, being requested 10 times, respond, what's going on here, had to have made a conscious choice to not respond. Now, if they took fire from the, um, or if, um, if the Turkish planes took fire from the Russian aircraft, why were they firing, firing on the Turkish plane? What was going on there? What did the Turkish plane do? Or what do they believe they do? What was their real mission here? We don't know any of this stuff. But that's really, really important to find out what's going on. Remember, uh, Turkey has been supported by Russia as well. They get quite a bit of money from Russia. So, again, what's with the falling out? Why are they upset by this? These are questions we have to know to find out where it's going. In the next 24 hours or so, this is the, this is the real troubling time. Tomorrow morning, we could wake up and say, hey, wow, Everything started calming down. Still bad, but it's heading in the right direction. Or they could continue to escalate this stuff. The next 24 hours is going to be crucial. Yeah. Now, Turkey has already come out and said that, well, yeah, we did shoot them down. You were in our airspace, and we're legally allowed to do that. Russia has come out now and said that they weren't even in Turkish airspace. So, again, these are all questions that need to actually be figured out. But, yeah, this is definitely not a good situation as things are, are ramping up with the, uh, with the war against ISIS, too. Now you throw in a, a battle between Turkey and Russia right now. It's bad. Vladimir Putin came out and said it's, a, it's a, a stab in the back from terrorist sympathizers. He's definitely speaking some pretty harsh words about it. And yeah, it does not look good right now. All right, we got some video footage of it as well. Of uh, This is just after it was shot down, just after the Russian plane was shot down. Take a look at this. Wow, look at this. Certainly striking video to look at. Mm-hmm. So where do you go from here with this? You know this is being shown all over in Russia. See, that's the other thing, too, the manipulation by the media. If the Russian people see this and believe, whether it's true or not, that Turkey was the aggressor here and just shot him down, what are they going to be saying? They're going to be screaming, we want vengeance. Politicians know that. Well, what, does vengeance, that well. what does vengeance mean at that point? I mean, is it an eye for an eye? Now we get to shoot down one of your planes <clears> with two pilots in it. So how does a situation like this even, uh, even get resolved? What is the proper retaliation? What is a, a redemption that even Russia would allow and say, okay, fine, now we're even? Take on Turkey? I don't know. Go to war with Turkey? Here's another little piece of the puzzle that you have to remember with all this stuff, too. Over the last, oh, 10 years or so, Russia has gone deep into the energy market. Russia has been gobbling up oil sources. This has been, and natural gas as well, but primarily oil. This has been one of their focuses. Don't you find it interesting that Russia all of a sudden has these issues with Assad, really troubled by Assad? Now there's some issues with, with Turkey. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but wouldn't it be in their best interest to not get along with the Middle East at this point if you're deep in oil as far as economic futures? I mean, that's certainly an angle to this whole thing. Absolutely. Well, these issues didn't come up before then. It's only when, uh, when Russia is trying to expand their energy market that these types of infighting or issues come up. We know oil is the lifeblood of the world at this point. We know that's what makes it work. And how many times have people tried to do horrible or done horrible things in the name of getting more oil and power? That's legitimate. Now, America's angle in this, what happens to us in all of this? Remember, we've been holding way back not doing what we had to do to take on ISIS for whatever the reason. President Obama doesn't even have a real plan. And what plan he has is apparently failed. The reason, have you seen their explanation why 
Obama has said that they haven't targeted the pipeline of ISIS. ISIS has a pipeline. They have these oil fields that they control. And in order to make about a, half, a million and a half dollars a day, which is what they make, ISIS takes this oil, puts it on tanker trucks as part of a rolling pipeline, and then sells it on the black market. And again, they make about a million and a half bucks a day just doing that. France says, okay, you attack Paris, so we're going to take out ISIS. So they target this city in Syria, and they target this pipeline, this, ro this uh, rolling pipeline of, of ISIS. And Skip and I keep saying, well, how come we haven't done that? We've known about this. The reason they have not done it is because Obama didn't want to hurt any civilians that may be around in Syria. He didn't want to hurt any civilians that may be around any of those tanker trucks, the people driving them. After all, it's not their fault. They're not part of ISIS. They're just doing a job, man. I don't want to see innocent people killed. But he had an opportunity to stop ISIS a year ago, over the last year, by shutting down that rolling pipeline. Stop those trucks from selling the oil, and they're going to they're gonna be worth a fraction of what they're worth today. Now, they make money off of things like... Um, uh, high taxes on their people, extortion, it's basically a protection racket from their own people, kidnappings, all kinds of things they make money on. But the bulk of the finances of ISIS comes from selling this oil on the black market that they have from these oil fields that we could have shut down essentially a year ago. Well, and it's such a stupid argument to say that you don't want to have any civilian casualties with that because how many people have died at the hands of ISIS because they're able to expand? How many uh, villages have they taken over? How many uh, people have they raped and pillaged as they've been expanding their, 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 their threshold on the Middle East? So, yeah, I don't want to see innocent civilians killed, but if there's a couple of, uh, of uh, truck drivers that gets killed to go ahead and end ISIS and actually cut off the pipeline that they're able to raise money, isn't that worth it? How many lives would it be saved? It's the same argument with, uh, with the nuclear bombs back during World War II. Yeah, you're, you're essentially, I mean, even if, even if it costs two more lives in the grand scheme of things, civilian lives to do it the way we want, to shut down a pipeline, it's still in your best interest because you're still talking potentially American lives and you're shutting down bad people who going forward, we're going to kill or torture a whole lot more people. But it's probably going to be a net gain or fewer people killed if you do it my way. If you shut down that pipeline and you take out civilians, we don't know and probably will never know until ISIS is completely decimated the number of people they have tortured and killed. It is probably into the tens of thousands of people now when you look at the number of people that they have taken over, the areas they've taken over, people that they've enslaved and killed. Now, many of those people are Middle Easterners, many of those people are Muslims, but they're still human lives. And you're still talking about if we bombed and took out this rolling pipeline, the same type of people in the Middle East. So bomb them, blow it up. So this is Obama. This is what our strategy has been at best is, hey, let's, what, work with diplomacy, try to arm some rebels, this type of thing, but not touch that oil because you may end up killing other people. As Skip said, this is an asinine argument. We just haven't done it. So France gets attacked. You have the attacks in Paris, and what happens? Then Obama's going to help uh, France bomb. So what's the difference there, Skip, if we're helping France? We gave them information so they can bomb. Well, isn't that blood of, of innocent lives still on your hands then? Or why is it okay that it was our intelligence that when it led to a, a French campaign of bombing that ended up ending lives? I mean, if, if, if the argument with the State Department comes out and said, well, you know, we gave France that information, Josh Ernest goes to D.C. said that, well, then aren't you at least as responsible as France is? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. So if you do that, why don't you actually go ahead and take care of handle everything yourselves? You have the intelligence. You have the weaponry that can do this. You have people. It doesn't make any sense that you wouldn't just do it yourself. Then you, you add in the fact that, um, again, uh, France is a NATO ally, and we're helping them. 
and Russia has started helping them as well because they wanted to take out Assad. They were bombing first, and then they said, okay, we'll help out as well with, with France bombing to take out Assad. So now you've got Russia siding with a couple of NATO allies to take out Assad and do what they're doing to stop ISIS in the Middle East. And then you've got Russia potentially going up against a NATO ally in Turkey. Who do, who do we side with? What are we supposed to do? Is Russia our friend or not? They're, they're, they're going to help take out Assad, a bad guy. They're fighting ISIS. We're, we're not putting boots on the ground because they're doing it. But they're working against a NATO ally in, in uh, Turkey. So it doesn't always just work out that the enemy of your enemy is your friend. There's Absolutely more layers not. to the argument than that in and of itself. Now, what if Russia ramps this up and they really get in Turkey's face? And Turkey says, hey, uh, I think it's Article 5 of the NATO Treaty, which says anybody that attacks a NATO ally, all of the other allies must respond and defend. They have to. It's part of the treaty. Unless you vi you're going to violate the NATO Treaty, I don't think that's what they're going to do. So then we're fighting, ISIS, we're fighting Russia there while they're trying to take out Assad, but yeah, we're helping them there. That doesn't make any sense. Now, back to the possibility that ISIS could perpetrate some sort of horrible terrorist attack again, and one even on Americans or American soil. In the middle of all of this turmoil, wouldn't it be best if you were ISIS to go ahead and throw more logs on the fire now rather than wait six months? To go ahead and just really put Russia and Turkey against each other? Because they know, they get it. This is going to make things more and more difficult for America if Russia and Turkey are going against each other. Wouldn't you throw logs on the fire? Wouldn't you pull off some sort of terrorist attack now? And here we are in the fourth quarter and our busiest shopping season and one of the busiest shopping days of the year coming up right after a major holiday and just weeks before one of the biggest holidays in America. Wouldn't you do it now, Skip, if you have those pieces in place in your ISIS? Absolutely, and that's, that's definitely a scary thought. I've thought for a while that Black Friday seems to be the perfect, perfect setting for something like that, too. It, it blows my mind that we haven't had more attacks like uh, um, Allah the Paris attack here in America when a couple of guys with a couple of guns go into a, to a Walmart location to start lighting people up. Now, where are you going to have a whole bunch of people congregating in one little area all on one day? Black Friday, all across the country. It's, it's a scary prospect. You got, but it's uh, real today. It's something we, mm -hmm. we have to worry about. You got uh, tomorrow. You got busy, uh, tr busiest travel days of the year. You got all of this going on. Why wouldn't they if they have it in place? Maybe they don't have it in place. And again, it's still unlikely in the grand scheme of things. But I am more worried about this than I have been since, I think, anything since 9-11. I'm more concerned seeing the the geopolitical jockeying of nations and powers and dictators, seeing all of that shape out and seeing the track record of everything since the, the Arab Spring, I'm more concerned about that now because I see all the little pieces being put into place. After 9-11, I mean, within a couple of weeks after it, things started slowly returning to normal. And we were concerned and we were freaked out about a few things, but I guess I, I thought everything was okay for some reason at that point. I, my mind was basically at ease, but this... It just seems too weird. Well, and during 9-11, I don't really know if there was the thought that there would be continued attacks, that this was a group who was constantly plotting. 9-11 seemed to be something that was planned for many, many years, that they had had a, a very rigorous thing set out to go ahead and do this. Um, and then also, too, it felt like it was somewhat isolated, being in New York. I mean, if you lived in the Southwest like I did at that time, too, is Washington, D.C., and even, I mean, the Shanksville crash and uh, mm -hmm. New York City. It was like, well, you know, I don't know if I'm too much at risk out here in Albuquerque. But it's, now it seems like it could happen absolutely anywhere. Yeah, it's, it's very, very odd, very strange. I'm just curious what you're thinking about this. Is this something that you think you're worried more about now 
since anything since 9-11 like I am? Or is this just, hey, I've been worried about other things in the past or whatever, this is just another one? Are you freaked out by it? Is this nothing to worry about? What are you thinking? 888-727-BECK. I do want to get your phone calls in on this. 888-727-BECK. just want to know what you're thinking about this. Do you think it's coming? Do you think something horrible's on the way? Or is it, eh, these things happen from time to time? I, normally, I'm somebody that says to Skip, eh, I don't know, possibly. So if I'm a little freaked out about this, that gives me even more concern to be, be freaked out, if that makes any sense. Well, and that's the thing. is, It's, it, it's not a matter of, of if it's going to happen. It's a matter Everyone. of when, because there's going to be something that happens at some point. So it's a matter of when is it going to happen and how successful is that attack going to be. When, when things happen between South and North Korea every so often, they pop up every 10 months or so, every year and a half more significant thing. And it gets real close that this could be the moment where they go full at it again. And then it calms down. And when it does, and I've said this to Skip a couple times, he's like, wow, did you see what's happening in North Korea and South Korea today? They fired off a missile. Did you see he fired, fired off, off a, a missile. missile? And I always tell him <laughs> this happens all the time. Every 10 months, every year and a half or so, something significant, and it, significant, it has been happening like that for decades. But any one of them could be the moment. You just have to be like, eh, let's see where this is going. This seems different to me. That's normally how I am. Eh, let's see what's going on with North Korea and Korea. I'm not somebody that jumps into, hey, all the bad's coming. But this one with Russia and Turkey has me freaked out a little bit. 727, or 888-727-BECK, 727-BECK. Triple eight seven two seven back I don't know why I gave you that one right today. Or you can also follow us on Twitter. It's at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. Tweet at us. Let us know what you think. Throughout the program, we'll use the hashtag, what I learned today. Hashtag, what I learned today. And tell us what you're uh, learning throughout the program. But... It's got you freaked out. Did Glenn make it worse? Did he make it better? I don't think he made it, I think he made it better. No. We'd see your calls coming up. Pat and Stu program. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. Doc Thompson, Skip McCombin for Pat and Stu today. Uh, breaking news coming from the BBC right now. I just saw this come over. A blast has hit the state, uh, state security bus in Tunisia. At least 11 people were killed in the blast. This was uh, in the capital. Um, I think it was near the president, uh, carrying the presidential guards as well. I don't know if it ties into the rest of this or whatever, but there's certainly a lot of weird stuff going on in the world right now. And... Speaking of which, we had a worldwide travel uh, warning from our, state, uh, from our federal government last night. A worldwide travel advisory. Don't travel if you don't have to. You know what uh, this week is, Skip? A really busy travel time. Busiest travel time of the year. Yes, it is. And, yeah, this, uh, this hasn't happened very often, too. I'd say it's, it's a travel advisory due to possible risk due to increased <clears throat> terrorist threats. Okay, now, most of the travel this week is within the country, and most of the stuff they're talking about is outside the country, but nevertheless, still a huge travel time. Not good to hear. How often do they do this? Not very often. 
What do they know? Why do they tell us this? Unless they have a reason to believe that there's something out there. Increased chatter about certain things. We know that's happened before, and it's often paid off into something horrible. Well, and the actual information they've said is the federal agent said that current information suggests the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups are continuing to plan terrorist attacks in multiple regions. But this is something we've known for a long time. They've been trying to plan terror attacks for as long as they've been about. They've been happening all across the mm -hmm. world. So, of course, that's not any new information. So that means that there actually must be some increased chatter or actually some specific information about an, a, a direct threat to a direct area. Now, they said this warning will be in place until, I think, late February or so, which pretty much is encompasses the Christmas season. I mean, if you're ISIS, see, if I'm the terrorist and I say, hey, I'm going to attack America, I'm not going to New York. Maybe they will. Maybe they still want it to be spectacular. I'm not going to D.C. I'm going to small town America. You can go to a mall or a shopping center in small town America, a school, a building, whatever, and you can take out just as many people. But you also then Put the little seed in people's minds in America that, hey, you don't have to be in New York and we can get you. You don't have to be in D.C. You go to Walla Walla, Washington or Parma, Ohio. You go to Chesterfield, Virginia, someplace smaller and you attack people there. Isn't that what you would do? You absolutely think so, too. I mean, that actually is, if in terms of what their goal is to truly cause terror and actually truly scare people, then yeah, you would think they're going to want to go to some of these smaller communities, too. And at that point, it's even less about actually taking out just as many people as you can, which you would think would be easier in a place like New York, but actually instilling fear, letting them know that, yes, uh, ISIS, Islamic State, can get to you no matter where you are. Right. If you're in Crete, Nebraska, you're like, oh, come on. OK, I know it's a problem and I don't want to see America attacked at all, but they're not coming to Crete. Go to Crete. Well, it's the same thing I said earlier, too, with after 9-11, even though, I mean, this horrible terror attack was going down, it was like, well, it's kind of isolated. It's in New York in and on DC, the East Coast. Northern you know, Virginia. Those yeah. are certainly spots you think would probably be attacked if there was anything. Not Albuquerque, New Mexico, but at this point now, I would be more concerned about attacks happening in an area like that or literally anywhere in the country. Yeah, that would be, that's exactly what I would do. Now, what I would do if I was them is probably do it around Christmas or Easter. Probably Christmas, because you also get the whole element of shopping and you hurt the U.S. economy as well. That's what I find interesting. It's not just a terror warning after Paris. It's a terror warning after Paris that extends well beyond the Christmas holiday. Yeah. Doesn't that stand to reason? Even if you were going to attack a small town as ISIS, wouldn't you go around Christmas? That's quite a spectacle. That's a statement there, right? Yeah, and the State Department continued forward saying these attacks are going to be a wide variety of tactics using conventional and non-conventional methods and weapons targeting both <laughs> official and private interests. So that makes me think, too, okay, conventional, non-conventional, small and big targets, private and public. So they're saying pretty much anywhere is a target, <laughs> That's right. which also kind of makes me think, too, and again, this goes back to my whole conspiracy right. theory type thing, too, of... Is this just the, uh, the, the state, the, the government trying to gin people up, trying to scare people worse than they are? I don't uh, know, man. And you know what's even more conspiratorial, too, when you're like, did any of this stuff really happen? Or are mm -hmm. any of these attacks actually happening? Or was that plane actually just a government, uh, a government plane, too? And I don't like it's crazy talk or whatever, but you see uh, information released like that where they actually did do a travel advisory and said, yeah, you know, because we're concerned about them planning attacks, which they've always done. And, you know, they're going to use conventional and non-conventional methods and conventional and non-conventional <laughs> weapons. They're going to target both private and public right. interests. And like at this point, you're like, well, really? Yeah. What information do you actually have out there? It's either you actually do know something, or you don't know anything at all and are just making it up. Well, and they love to do things like if they have some specific information where they think it's going to likely be a conventional weapon, or they really think it's going to be a biological attack or whatever, 
they can't tell us, or they say they can't tell us specifically what it is, so they go, well, we want to warn you of a biological attack, or a chemical attack, or a conventional what You see what I'm saying? They do that to kind of cover it, when they may really mean something specific. But I would use alternative methods. I would be creative with it. I wouldn't go for the planes again. I mean, TSA does a horrible job. We know that. But the rest of us are thinking airplanes when you get on an airplane. So I wouldn't do that. I would go into the very simple, small areas, the things we do every day, and turn that against us. I'm not going to give you specifics. I don't want to give many ideas. 888-727-BECK. Let's go to the phone lines. I want to hear your thoughts. What does this all mean today with Russia? What does this all mean with them uh, having their plane shot down by Turkey? 888-727-BECK. Let's go to Sal in Utah. Hey, how you doing, Sal? Hey, doing real well. Hey, I think you guys are spot on. Um, I've been listening to you guys' show for as long as I can remember or had a chance to. Well, but uh, my fear is that we start talking too much about things. Mm. Um, I appreciate you're not going into too many details. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about this for probably the last 20 years, and I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet or, or the way I'm thinking. Uh, you go after infrastructure. You go after the fear factor. Um, one moment of fear can do more than blowing up the biggest thing you can imagine. It's, it's those little tiny attacks that will scare the crap out of people. Sal, you're right. I could, and again, I won't do it. I've told Skip off the air. I would love to be able to share my crazy ideas because they're absolutely genius, and I've got about a dozen of them. He's pretty they, twisted, folks. He's I am. I, have, I just have a nefarious mind. But let me just say, these would all be things that are very simple, very accessible, and would disrupt the most common stuff in our lives. Not everybody even flies on 9-11. Yeah, that was a spectacle. They brought down a plane. There was a lot more to it. But if they could disrupt, Sal, your everyday life, going to work, your wife's, your kids, whatever, stuff like that, you, you never have a chance to feel safe. That is powerful, man. Yes, definitely. I, I, I truly believe, like you, I have one of those minds. I've, I've thought of so many different things that could be done, mm -hmm. and it scares me. It, it truly scares me. Let me ask you this, Sal. When, when you see this stuff about Russia, though, in the, in the plane today, is this just another one of those, or is this, does this one have you more concerned than maybe some other ones? Absolutely. And, and you know what even is scarier to me? It's going to be used totally as politics. Our president, remember we had a president once before that used wartime in order to stay as president for more years. Could that not happen this time, too? You know, we've had other people suggest I, that as well. That, that scares me probably more than having somebody attack me at the mall, because I, I guarantee you my carry permit, I'm ready. <laughs> Sal, I understand. So. I really do. And thank you so much for your support and phone call today. Thank and you. Congratulations oh, on getting added you. to the terror watch list. Yeah. <laughs> God, God bless you guys. You're doing a great job. Thanks, thank sir. You. Appreciate Happy it. Just by watching, you're automatically oh, on the terror sure. watch list. Just so you know, that, that's, your, that's our <laughs> gift to you. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. No, you know, um, you. it sounds so crazy to say that, to go, well, you know, maybe this guy would use it or somebody else would use it to stay into power. That is insane for Americans to think that that's even a possibility. And it is crazy, except it happens at times. It does happen. If the world lasts long enough, everything's going to happen again. Or everything that you can dream up. It's just a numbers game. Of course it's going to happen. It may take 10,000 years before a president does that, but it's going to happen. So at some point, why not now? Why wouldn't you manipulate it? And it'll be sold. 
A president or anything that somebody would do to infringe rights in America can never be sold as a, an infringement of your rights. They, they cannot, with Americans and all the guns we have and enough sane people like us, could never march in and say, we're going to do this, 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 and this and infringe your rights. Can't happen. It will not happen. It will have to be us begging for it. Please stay in the power. Please take our guns. Please do whatever. Why would we ever do that? Under the guise of something else. Well, I've got to stay in power. Look, ISIS is attacking us. You don't want to transition now, do you? Please stay in the power. Keep us safe. That's why it's so discon uh, disconcerting or disheartening when you hear people say, well, we've got to give up a little bit of our freedoms in order to be safe, like the Patriot Act or whatever. That's the same type of stuff. You're begging them. Take my rights to keep me safe. When people ask for their rights to be infringed, when they ask for President Obama or anybody else to stay in the power, that's when you know it's serious and likely to happen. Let's get a couple more phone calls in. 888-727-BECK. Let's go to Joe in Florida. Hey, Joe, how are you? I'm texting Dave in Oregon. Oh, sorry, Dave, in, Dave Oregon. in Oregon. Hey, Dave, how are you doing, sir? Dave, are you there? Comment on, on your comments about uh, they're gonna, that they're going to do uh, what they did in Paris out here in rural parts of America. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it very well could happen. But we got one thing out here. What's that? When they've interviewed... Uh, when they've interviewed people over there in Paris, they don't. Uh, none of the, nobody has any guns. True. Out here in these rural areas, each household has at least one gun, and usually many more. And so, what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to kill some people, but they're going to make people mad. And when they make people mad, the first thing they're going to be doing is there's going to be a max, mass exodus. Go home and get your gun. And when they get yep. their guns, get their ammunition. Then they're going to fill the air full of lead. It's, that's a, that's it's totally you're right. different than over there in a big city. Dave, over there, nobody's armed. Dave, you're Out absolutely right about that. Areas, but, we're all armed. But the being armed wouldn't stop anything from happening. It's just the reaction and maybe something in the future. Exactly. And then you get the Bubba effect and you get people going crazy, right? I mean, that's, that's my, my next concern. And Dave, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. My next uh -huh. concern to Dave's point is you're right. If you have guns, unless you see something, you're not going to stop it. Because these people aren't just going, dee, dee, dee. they're going to die for their cause. They're willing to die, and that's what they want to do. They want to be martyred as part of this thing. We know that. So you're not going to stop them from attacking somebody. But then everybody gets ticked off. They go home, they get their gun, and they start capping people. And then, my fear, they start dragging people into the street. People that are different than them. People that may have nothing to do with this. Americans, American citizens, innocent, good people start dragging them in the street. And then the entire, the wheels come off the entire thing and it just goes crazy. That's my next fear. You're talking about them Muslims, aren't you? Not just Muslims, anybody that looks different than you or believes <laughs> no, you're differently. Absolutely right. Unless is... you're just like me, unless you go to the church I go to, unless I know you, unless you're related or whatever, what happens? The whole thing falls apart. All right, I'm going to get a break in. We're going to get some more calls coming up. 888-727-BECK. Doc and Skip in for Pat and Stu today.
Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe pinch hitting for Patents Stew today. We're regularly heard on the Blaze Radio Network. If you would, please check out our programs there. It's at theblaze.com slash doc. Theblaze.com slash doc. It's Doc and Skip. Thank it's you. Blaze.com. You can get there with just Doc and save yourself the typing of the characters, but please check it out. We started a campaign of part of our morning radio broadcast in order to help, vet to help veterans get the services that they deserve, the things that they fought for, that were contractually and morally obligated to give them. And it came about because we just got tired of hearing of all the failures at the VA. I mean, you, you hear people bitch about this stuff. Maybe you've complained. Somebody's got to do something. Well, if not us, who? If not now, when? I don't know how much good this will do. I'm trying to Eric Cantor the VA because I Eric Cantored Eric Cantor. It took me years, but I got rid of that bastard. He's gone, and I'm going to do that with the VA. We've started, we're calling it a campaign because it's going to last a long time, likely. And they may have many moving pieces to it. We may ask you to go out and march, be involved, tell other people. Right now, though, we're producing many documentaries to show you the harm that the VA is doing with actual people. It's not statistics. These are veterans that are suffering, that are dying, their families suffering because they've killed veterans. That's what we're doing. And you can watch the videos at olavo.us, O-L-A-V-O dot U-S, olavo.us. That's our site that we post some stuff at. Um, a lady from San Diego by the name of Susan Knowles has been helping us quite a bit with this project. She's actually been doing a lot of the research and legwork, meeting veterans and um, setting up interviews for us to talk to these people. And Susan joins us now via Skype from San Diego. Susan, um, I, am, I am just stunned when we go and meet these veterans to hear their stories. You, had to, you have to just cry all the time when you talk to these people. You know, I really have started to do that because when I started all this, I thought maybe there were a few stories that I would hear that would be bad. But the majority of people that I'm talking to, and I don't have to look really hard and long to find these people, they're there every single day. The stories of the veterans are just heartbreaking. And you've talked to people all over the country. I mean, we've been to Florida and Texas and Louisiana and some other places, and we're going to end up going on the road to some, some other facilities as well, to the Pacific Northwest, the Southwest, a lot of them in the Phoenix area. Absolutely. Phoenix seems to be really hard hit. There are a lot of whistleblowers in Phoenix, a lot of things happening there, people who are losing their jobs because they're speaking out. And there's even an article up on the blaze today of a, a senior VA official who was demoted for unethical and possible criminal behavior and she was just recently named as the assistant director of Phoenix Regional Benefits Office. So you can't make this stuff up. Is this, is this different than the two that were punished for the relocation dollars? This is a, a third person, the assistant in, in Phoenix? Yeah, this is, a, this is a new story. And it's out today. <laughs> Every day. Every day, yeah. And I, it's just because you're making it, you know, it's becoming aware uh, for the people out there in the public. I mean, a lot of people are not aware of this. We've been told that everything's okay that, you know, the VA is going to be fixed now, and obviously it's not. Susan, this is, like Skip said, this is virtually every day we get at least a mini failure from the VA. And since the VA's inception and before that, because you've done the research, every couple of years, a major scandal. A major scandal. And, it, you know, it just continues. It, it's like we wait for a little while for it to go away. It all quietens down. We're told by the the administration, everything's fine, everything's fixed, and we find out that's absolutely just not the truth. Now, Susan, you've been speaking to a lot of these veterans, too. Now, what's been one of the biggest themes that you've heard while you've been talking with some of these veterans in terms of a problem you've seen time and time again with these veterans or with the VA? Well, 
you know, we've been told that the wait lists are no longer, you know, you can get in as quickly as possible. That's just not true. Not what I'm hearing. I'm, I'm hearing that a lot of veterans, especially those with PTSD, are they claim to be over-medicated and they have a number of prescriptions to be taken at one time to prove that. And the VA suicides, and we all know that veteran suicide is at least 22 a day. It's probably a lot more than that. But they're not getting in to see psychotherapists along with the medications that they're being given. Susan, yeah. Susan what, is your, what is your background, by the way? Explain to people what you've done, what your history is. Well, I'm a former practicing attorney and I'm also a licensed psychotherapist. So I have seen people with PTSD and I know, I know the signs, I know how difficult it is. And I also know that if you're under the care of a psychiatrist, you should also be seeing a therapist at the same time. And many of these veterans are not. They can't, they can't get appointments. I mean, it, and it seems to be, and again, you have a background in this, that they just want to medicate them and shut them up. Do, uh, again, this is a little conspiratorial. I'm admitting that, but it seems to me like they're doing this for al for with alternative motives in 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 place because we know this is not a solution. Anybody with any medical knowledge knows you just don't give people drugs and say, "Oh, it's all going to work itself out." There has to be some therapy, and you have to get to the root of some of these problems. And certainly, 25 medicines at once is not going to be is not going to help them. I'm wondering if they're not getting some sort of benefit and monetary support or um, their strings are being pulled by K Street from these drug companies saying, just give them the drugs. Well, I think that's a real possibility. And I, I just don't understand because in, in my practice and, and the time that I've been practicing, I've never seen anyone be given that many medications at one time. There has to be a reason for that. And I know that the veterans have told me when they have this many medications, they can't do anything. They can't think. They're, they're not a problem then, you know. And, and they, some of them feel, they, you know, concerned that maybe that's what the VA wants, that they'll no longer be a problem and maybe they'll just kill themselves. Now, that's their opinion. So I have to take it that's how they feel. Anybody I speak to who has any sort of working knowledge with the VA or the failures of the VA, I like to ask them this question, too, of what is the answer then? We know what the problems are. We've seen them time and time again. Every day more news comes out of it. But what is the answer? What do you think, Susan? Well, I think, you know, and a lot of veterans that I've spoken with, I think the VA, it, it just needs an overhaul completely. It's not working. Ever since, you know, I was a child, the VA has not worked. I know my father... Uh, was a veteran. My brothers are veterans. My father tried to get help with the VA, and he wasn't given help with the VA. So that goes back many, many years. You you can't keep doing the same thing and expecting it to work. You have to try new alternatives. And I think trying to give the veterans a choice of where they need to go is a great thing, but you have to actually give them that choice when they when they try to go. They're not getting appointments even outside of the VA, some of them, to be seen by a doctor, even with a new choice program. One of the reasons uh, the Phoenix VA has been kind of ground zero for some of this is there's so many veterans in the area. A lot of veterans retire to warmer communities or, or areas, and Florida has a huge uh, veterans community, and so does, does uh, Arizona as well. And the Phoenix VA, of course, was the site of, of these wait lists where veterans were killed by the VA. Let's be honest. They waitlisted right. them. They are responsible for the deaths that on their heads. Um, the people, from what we can tell, really were not punished. Some people were moved around. Some people were retired early in all this, still with pensions, still got their money. Uh, it seems to be a lack of accountability that... that that has to be part of whatever solution we come up with, whether we shut the VA down, whether we fix it, change it, whatever. There has to be accountability. People have to be fired if they even screw up a little bit.
Absolutely. And one way to do that is to make the public aware. Again, the public's not told a lot of this information. They think everything is being taken care of, that this administration is taking care of it. And I think they would be absolutely shocked at some of the things that I've heard. And I, I do know there's a group called Veterans on Patrol in Phoenix, Arizona. They're also located in Tucson. And they're actually going around and finding homeless veterans that nobody even cares about anymore, knows about in that area, unfortunately. And they're they're trying to bring them to to get help at the VA. And, and I'm hoping, you know, that they will be able to get them help at the VA. But I think those people, they just gave up. I think um, so far, let, let's update people on what happened here, too. After the scandal broke in Phoenix, um, we know some people were moved around, but that was pretty much it. They came out with this, hey, we need some extra money, which the VA is fully funded, by the way. They have plenty of money. Not that they shouldn't. They, they just do. They said, we'll give even more money, appropriate more money from Congress. And then they came up with that choice card where veterans could go get health care other place if they were on a wait list and couldn't get into the VA hospital. The problem is it wasn't a real choice. They weren't actually able to use that. They're not. I, I've talked to veterans that say, you know, they call and try to get an appointment and it takes a really long time. Or if they talk to somebody, they may say, well, we have to refer you back to the VA hospital. I mean, it's just it's a catch 22. It just goes around in a cycle. And a lot of people are just not being cared for. Well, here's what we're going to do. Um, we know there are some politicians that are working on legislation that will change things. One of the ideas I like at first glance is from Representative David Jolly out of Florida that we interviewed for one of our videos, who has a real choice card that would say, here's your card. You get health benefits. If you choose not to use the VA, you can use this elsewhere. That, I think, is one of the keys to the solution. Accountability and give veterans a choice. Absolutely. And not take the money out of the choice program once you've allotted money there. That also helps, you know, uh, allow this process to work. And I think it will do really well. I, I just think that, that veterans for so long have not been given the treatment they, that they should have been given. There's no reason for that. There's no excuse for that. And we need to make it right. And the Fix the VA campaign is something that I think is really going to help make it right. And I think your idea about maybe marching on D.C. with the veterans, I think that's a great idea because I think that maybe that's the only way for the public to become really aware of what's going on. They will see for themselves the number of veterans that come out there march because veterans are fed up and they should be. Uh, Susan, we're going to have to take a break here in a second, too, but how can people find your radio show as well? They can just find me on Spreaker.com at Stand for Truth Radio or just go to my website at SusanKnowles.com. And we'll go ahead and tweet out uh, your, uh, your link to your Twitter account as well so people can follow you that way as well. Great. Thank you. Thanks so Thanks much, Susan. Appreciate it. More you. coming up next on the Patents 2 program. Yeah, it's at Susan Knowles, by the way, on Twitter, at Susan Knowles, and I just tweeted it, at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe, so you can find her, and also a link to the videos. Here is our most recent, or part of our most recent video. This is the second half of it, where a veteran tells the story of what happened when he went to the VA to get his shoulder fixed. I feel betrayed. I feel abandoned. You know, I am proud to be a soldier. You know, that's, it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do my entire life. And 
I wanted to serve my country. I volunteered to go over there. And I took them at their word that, look, if you get hurt, we're going to take care of you. Um, and then when I came back, you know, I had injured my shoulder in a Humvee accident during a combat operation, and they wanted to fly me out. And I said, no, I want to stay because that would have been the end of my tour, and I had a lot of guys that I was in charge of. And uh, so then they said, we'll fix it when you get to Fort Stewart when you demo. I got there, and they just wanted to, it was just paperwork, so they just kicked us out. So they didn't, they didn't, um, they didn't fix me. I had to drive from Mississippi to Fort Benning, Georgia, to try to get it fixed. And it took so long to get my paperwork processed that I ran out of active duty orders, so then they just sent me home. So the, um, so it basically took me two years to get my right shoulder fixed. I had to go through my private insurance. And the day before my surgery was scheduled, I finally got a call from the VA after waiting them for about six to eight months. And doc, doctor comes in, I have my x-rays, I have my MRIs, everything ready for him. He walks in. And he goes, well, what are you here for? I'm like, well, my shoulder, I need to get it, you know, repaired, rotator cuff, all that. And he was like, okay. I tried to hand it to him. He didn't want to look at the x-rays, didn't want to look at the MRI. He just said, well, basically, we'll just, he came up and started feeling my shoulder. Well, we'll just cut you open. We'll fix whatever's wrong in there. I go, well, that sounds good, doc, but that's the wrong shoulder. He was, he was on my, he was playing with my left shoulder instead of the right. So, obviously did not go through with the surgery through the VA. Wow, just incredible. That's Kenneth Lockie telling a little bit about the story about his experience with the VA and trying to get his shoulder fixed. At the beginning of that video, though, he does uh, tell the story about how he earned a bronze star. Also tells a really touching story about one night when he was out in the middle of a battlefield. To go ahead and see that full video, go to olavo.us. That's O-L-A-V-O.us. We've been producing these videos, hope to come out with one every week or so, but if you want to view that full video, go to olavo.us and click on the Fix the VA campaign at the top left. It's even more powerful when he's telling his story and the camera pulls back and you can see the Bronze Star ribbon when, when you think about that and when you hear the story. To hear the story about how he, what he did to receive this, and then you hear how they failed him. We are failing our veterans. Olavo.us. Check it out, tweet it, and use the hashtag FixTheVA. Thompson, Skip McCall, pinch hitting for Pat and Stu today. Thanks so much for joining us. So, we have an update on Ahmed the Clock Kid. There is an update. You know, he, they, they left America. They're no longer here. Do you, you remember Ahmed, the kid who created the clock? And by that, I mean the kid the who created... The clock, yeah. Air quotes for the <laughs> clock. Ahmed the Clock Kid, who just made a clock. Should we call him Ahmed the faux bomb maker? There it is. I think that's probably more accurate. Well, we use that until we can actually just call him Ahmed the... The bomb maker. The bomb maker, Because, yeah. let's face it, eventually it's going to be a real bomb. Come on. 
You remember the story. The kid supposedly created a clock, takes it to school, and it looks just like a bomb. Everybody knows that. You know it was not just creating a clock. There is no way. He just said, I'm creating a clock. Going to take it to school so everybody thinks I created this cool clock that looks like a bomb. At least bomb was a part of it, even if he thought it's a clock that looks like a bomb or a faux bomb, right? So, his family is so upset about the way he was treated at school, they flee the country and go back to whatever rat hole facility or place they're from. Now, they are, huh, suing. Yeah, they're going after the dollar. They have an attorney from the Lubbock area who says, I am going after, we are going after the city of Irving, Texas for $10 million and the school district for another five for a grand total of five and ten fifteen million dollars is what they have or need because he has been so upset and his right were, rights were so infringed skip lacombe now wait a second <clears throat> if if being profiled and mm -hmm. arrested would get me fifteen million dollars mm -hmm. you can profile and arrest me all day long you kidding fifteen million how did they arrive on how that about twelve being... million would you do it for twelve okay, i could probably do twelve million okay but now how did they arrive how about on eight? would you do it for eight uh eight yeah, I'll do it for eight. How I about 50000 Sure. <laughs> no, but how is that going to magically absolve them? The, the $15 million, that's the number it needs. We need 10 from the, from, right. the, uh, from the city and five from the school. In addition to that, written apologies. The money wouldn't suffice enough. We need to go ahead and get an official, I'm sorry, unofficial school letterhead. I got I to be honest, if I'm settling out of court on something like this or I even win it, I'm not so concerned about the apologies no, I am about the cash I'm at not that concerned point. at all It's about, about the it. money. Please, How about this? The money. Imagine if the city of Irving and the school district said, okay, we're, we're going to pony up the money. Here's $15 million, but we will not give you an apology. Do you think they're going to hold out? Hell no, we won't take the money until we get an apology, too. Do you think that's what they're going to do, Skip? No, I think they'd be fine. They'd tell you what, we're going to go and give you the money, <laughs> but we're not going to give you the written apology. Tell you what, we'll give you a silent uh, uh, backroom verbal apology. No written apology. I think, I think no apology whatsoever. In fact, we're going to double down and say we think we were right even though we paid you off and we're calling you dirtbags. We're going to trash you in the media but give you the $15 million. Okay. Yeah, What do you think they respond? We'll give you the $15 million, but we're going to make it out to Ahmed Clock Kid Muhammad. <laughs> right. right. Be... Well, one of the giant checks yeah. we bring it out. Here you go, Clock Kid. Here you go. How about, how about Ahmed the Bomb Kid? Would, would they do that? Bomb Fake kid. Bomb Kid. <clears throat> Faux bomb. I bet they're bomb. still taking the money at that point, though. Of course. It's all about the money. The attorney gets, what, what do they get, about a third of it or something like that? So Probably. he'd get $5 million of this. So they're only going to get $10 million to, to soothe their hurt feelings, the infringement of their rights. Listen, you don't even identify with America. You left because you say you were being oppressed here. But you identify enough about your personal freedoms, a cornerstone of America, that you have to get the $15 million, of course. Then it's all different. Then it's a, you're all about America. Come on. This is about the cash. It's been BS from start to finish. Either the parents knew he was sending this kid, the kid was going to school with this, or the kid was doing it on his own. But there was a level of douchebaggery about this. He was screwing with people or trying to screw with people. Am I wrong? No, absolutely he was. And well, I, I, and I wonder, too, how much of, of this whole case was the, the kid <clears throat> himself coming up with this plan or going to make the clock or actually his parents and uh, people within his family who probably knew something like this would happen. I'm not sure this kid really had this long-term plan 
where he's like, huh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and make a, make a, a, a fake bomb-looking thing. We're going to call it a clock, all right? I'm sure that's going to cause a whole big controversy. I'll probably get arrested, but then we can flee and we can sue him. I don't think he was necessarily thinking all that, but I definitely think that uh, his parents, who was probably more coordinated with a, with a larger uh, a group of people than just... Oh, I took the clock to school. Because we already had the reporting, too, that when he showed it to the first teacher, the teacher was like, hey, that's great. Don't show it to anybody else, though, you know, because it kind of looks dangerous. He didn't listen. He took it to the next classroom, kept it out, showing it. One of the Ooh. teachers saw it and was like, hey, that certainly looks a little suspect. And that's what ended up happening. Had he just followed the instructions and said, you know what, that's really cool. I appreciate your ingenuity, learning how to build a clock. Go ahead and keep that, uh, keep that to yourself, though, because it looks like a friggin' bomb. You mean to tell me these people who claim that they have been the victims yes. of people uh -huh. oppressing them because of their faith and their race. You know, they've, they've experienced the hatred of America based on their race and faith. These people... To New Selma. Yeah, the, exactly. These people have said, we don't see the connection whatsoever of sending this kid or the kid going to school with a bunch of wires in a briefcase. See, these people say, well, we know what it's like to be oppressed in America based on our race and our faith, that people believe we're automatically terrorists. I'll go ahead and send a uh, bunch of wires in a suitcase to a school. If you're the person that is oppressed to this level, that you claim you understand that, wouldn't that be top of your mind? Wouldn't you go ahead and do everything you could to mitigate any sort of appearance of impropriety with something like that? Okay, wrong or right. Skip and I, one of our closest friends and producers on our radio program, happens to be Muslim. A guy named Callie works out of New York. And he tells us the tales as, a, as an American who proudly supports your rights and my rights, who is not bothering anybody but practicing his faith. In fact, he's more conservative than Skip and I most of the time about things. He knows what it's like to have to go through security at the airport. And he goes, every time I have to give myself some extra time because they're going to see Khalid and they're going to be like, okay, pull it on over here. He knows what people think about him. So this family knows what they think. Even the 14-year-old kid, he's likely heard this stuff from his parents. At 14, you didn't hear your parents talk. Of, and in this case, you don't think he heard them say, oh, they're targeting us because we're Middle East or because of our faith or whatever. Even if that wasn't a general theme that happened all the time, you can't tell me there weren't a couple times over dinner that dad came home to tell a story about something like that? Of course, even if that wasn't a general theme that happened time and time again. And this kid is so smart but he's not smart enough to get a suitcase full of wires at school maybe thought to be a bomb. He's not, he's not, hasn't added that up. He's just, he's a great little inventor. He can put this stuff together. He's fabulous. He's wonderful. But he didn't think, oh, some people could think that was a bomb. Oh, okay, please. Of course. I don't think he was trying to blow up the school. I don't think he had those, uh, that nefarious intentions. But I do think he was trying to scare people. And I think... And I could tell when I heard this little sucker talk, too, the little interview. I know what he was doing. He was the one who was looking for plausible deniability. Maybe they didn't think it would go to the whole law school, uh, um, lawsuit level or that it would turn into this big of a story. But this little sucker, I honestly believe, was trying to poke people in the eye and then have plausible deniability. What? It was just a clock. What are you talking about? I did that as a kid. I know what it's like. Not with a bomb in school. But why wouldn't he have done this? It was just the clock. I'm just bringing the clock to school to show people. Which is more likely? A kid that is obviously this smart, who knows what's going on, screwing with people, or, oh, I'm just making a clock.
and now they want $15 million. They say they want this because his rights were infringed. When um, they had him at the office, they say he was interrogated for an hour and a half without his parents, seven on one, seven administrators, teachers, police, whoever, all in there interrogating him. Which I'll even give you, that <clears throat> probably should not have happened, too. If, 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 I, if I had a kid, too, and I found out that they were being interrogated for an hour and a half, I'd be upset. So I'm with you. That's messed up. But again... We're talking $15 million here. Absolutely, without question. They should not have talked to him without his parents. At some point, you have to bring the parents in, and I stand there. It's not worth $15 million. It's worth, in this case, because there was the, the possibility of a bomb. Remember, they thought this was a bomb, or there could be other bombs. So, okay, I'm going to give a little bit about a parent being there for questioning if you think there is imminent danger. You know, someone has a gun on you, you got to make some choices or whatever. So I'll give you a little bit of a cushion about the parents not being there. Yes, the parents should be there. It's certainly not worth $15 million. It's not worth the family getting a penny. Maybe some disciplinary action for the people at the school. And by disciplinary action, I mean a stern talking to. Hey, did we handle this right? Pete, you probably should have done this. Janet, don't do that again. There it is. Review your policy. That's all that should happen here. The family also said it was wrong that in addition to them speaking to him for an hour and a half without his parents, that they tried to get him to claim or to swear or say, or I don't know if it was verbal or written, that he did this as a hoax to make people think it was a bomb and he wouldn't do it. They say that's another reason. For all of these reasons, they need $15 million. Um, let's also point out the fact that schools, generally speaking, are uh, these, uh, these no-tolerance policies, too, with uh, any sort of weaponry brought into school. If you have anything that even looks like a gun, people freak out and will get suspended. People say, well, it wasn't a bomb. It just looked like one. Why, <laughs> why, does, the, why does the same uh, 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 litmus test not hold true on that? It looked like a bomb. I don't care what you believe. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just building a clock. Okay, none of that matters. It's all throughout the window because it looked like a bomb. Same thing with the, the kid who was eating a Pop-Tart into an L-shape. Or if you go pew, pew. Whoa, whoa, what are I you know, doing there? I Don't know, I'm sorry. I was just, uh, just... No guns on set. for dramatic effect. No, you, you can't have that in but here. But no, you mean... You whoa, whoa, don't point that thing over here. It just goes to show these zero-tolerance policies. Man? They say there's, in and of itself, zero-tolerance. We can't tolerate even if it looks like it. Well, at the end of the day, that little briefcase clock that Ahmed the Clock Kid <laughs> made still looked like a bomb. How ridiculous. It's a briefcase clock. Done right there. Everybody knows. I honestly thought this was a clock. Why did he build it without the briefcase? Why didn't he put a face on it? Why did it look like that? Why were the wires hanging out? Come on. You going to buy a clock like that? But then again, I'm the uh, crazy conservative gun nut for <clears throat> suggesting that, you know what, it was just a Pop-Tart. Maybe we don't have to kick the kid out because he had a Nerf bullet in his bag. Fifteen, $15 million for this nonsense. They have 60 days to respond to the attorney's letter demanding the $15 million. What does the city do, Skip? What does uh, the school district do? Man, $10 million in the city of Irving, Texas, where we are right now. Skip and I are broadcasting for Mercury Studios in Dallas. It's actually in Irving, Texas, right outside of Dallas. That's where we are. That's the city this studio is located in. What does the city do? What does the school district do? Um, I think at this point you have to fight it. I mean, you don't want to set the precedent that something like this is going to continue to happen. They won't. They're going to settle out of court. But at this point, Ahmed and his parents aren't even in the country. So if they want to come actually and face our legal system, they're going to have to pay to come on back out too. Pay for a hotel while they're there. I don't know what their financial situation is like, but it could it, it certainly in, in, uh, incur costs to them. I think that they've made this, uh, this lawsuit simply because they know they're going to settle out of court for it.
And here's the point, too. I mean, if this actually goes to a, to a jury of his peers, I wonder if the people of Irving, Texas, are going to be okay giving this guy money based on the circumstances of the case. And there's the, there's the linchpin right there, Skip. A lot of times, um, I would say, if I ran a business, like most businesses, the cost of doing business, or even if you settle out of court with some of this stuff, right? Just mm -hmm. give them the money and move on. It's going to be better in the long run. Court costs, you drag this thing out. But in this case, there are two reasons I say you do not give him the money. Number one, this is bull crap. This is one of those ones. I'm so ticked off about this that I could not give him the money. If I was a citizen of the city of Irving, I would dig my heels in and say, you know what, bankrupt the city, take the whole thing down. You're not getting a penny from us. I don't care if we have to shut it down, sell all the houses, torch them, all move out of the city, uh, unincorporated, just go away. I would not, I cannot within me see that kid getting one stinking penny, the little bastard. I'm serious about that. It ticks me off. You know what he was doing. But then even calming down and pulling back and saying, okay, think reasonably about this. Would you give him the money? No, because I don't think the people that ended up on a jury would go, oh, yeah, I could see how him taking that to school, that clock to school, you know, infringed his rights. And definitely he was doing whatever. It was definitely persecuted. Persecuted, she definitely. Can... Honey, get your checkbook. Yeah, you know what? I don't think 15 million is enough. Let's go ahead and give him more. No, I think there's going to be enough people on the jury that go, no, of course that's what he was doing, and they're done. And then you know what I would do? I would drag these people's name through the mud. No, I wouldn't set out normally to do that. But in this case, they keep thrusting themselves out there. They keep putting it out there saying um, that he's the victim and all of this. No, I just start beating them in the, in the news. I just start putting it out there and showing how ridiculous they are. They fled America because they couldn't take this. So you're going to come back to America to cash that check? You're okay to come back for that then? No, you just beat him up. How about you? I know, I agree. I think that's definitely right. what should happen. However, I don't think that will happen. I'm sure they'll settle out of court and this family will probably get $6 million. If that happens, if that happens, I'm taking a clock. And I'm whoa, heading whoa, to some whoa. public place. I just I'm taking a clock. What are you talking about, Dude, they've Skip? already banned clocks at Mercury Studios, too. I'm not taking it here. I'm going to take it someplace in the city, you know, maybe head oh, into the, uh, the courthouse. Be... With a clock. I'm talking Dude, a clock, You Skip. are on enough lists, Doc. I'm, let me stop It's a you clock. There. What are you talking about? It's proving you set a precedent. Don't infringe my rights. It's just a clock that has some... Some things that look like sticks of dynamite, but they're not dynamite. That's not what it is. Although, wait, if you do that, there's a chance you and I might be able to do a lawsuit against the... That's my point. That's about, what I'm saying. Yeah. And by the way, the city, you don't have to settle out of court for 15. I won't even ask you for that much. I mean, you can even club me a couple times, cops, and I won't ask you for that much. I mean, I'll settle for like dinner and a movie. It's some good food here in town. Anyway. Hey, the holidays are coming up. If you're looking for a great gift and you've decided against the, this clock in a, in a suitcase thing, uh, maybe you check out mancrates.com. The holidays are almost here, and if you want to send the absolutely coolest gift to every guy on your list, you need to check out mancrates.com. Mancrates builds and ships the most bragworthy gifts for guys. Everything from personalized barware, even if you put the cowboys on it for some dumb reason. Uh, you got hunting and fishing to exotic meats and delicious jerky. They even have crates to prepare for a zombie apocalypse. These real wooden crates ship with a crowbar, and prying them open is as much fun as seeing what's inside. Isn't that right, Jeffy? He's, he's never going to be able to pull this off. Guys deserve better gifts. This year, forget the ugly ties, sweaters, and cologne, and be a gift-giving hero. 
Mancrates makes it so easy, and they have a ton of options to choose from, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Take it from me, these are awesome gifts for guys. Go to mancrates.com slash blaze for 10% off your order. That's mancrates.com slash blaze. $15 million. A lot of money. Would you, you do that. Okay, so yeah. what about this? Would you take a Rodney King-style beating for, well, wait, wait, assuming there were no long-lasting effects where you're always going to have a limp or something wrong with your head or whatever, but that style of beating where the cop's just clubbing you for that amount of time and it's going to take you a while to recover from it, would you do that for $50,000? Um... You're talking, you're talking tax free, though, right? Yeah, tax free. Yeah, yeah, yeah tax free, probably. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I'd probably do that. How about uh, 50000 not tax free? Yeah, I'd yeah, probably still do that, that. Yeah, to be perfectly okay, honest. Hey, there it is. Not going to lie. You know, the problem with this is if you're ever beaten by the cops and you ask for $50 million and you deserve it, they're going to pull this tape out. They're going to go, e do it for 50000 Well, Can you destroy this way. tape after the program? Yeah. Have this destroyed. Immediately, at least that part of it, edit that out. Edit that part out. Get rid of that or whatever. Here's what I'm thinking we do, and, and thank you to the member of the crew for uh, suggesting this. Here's what we do. We, to make our point, what if we were to do this? We were to take a similar style clock and take it up to a bunch of different Muslim organizations like CARE. You go up to CARE and you go, hey, a meeting of CARE. Hey, I've got this clock for you. And you open it up. Oh, okay. Or during one of the worship seasons, you go, hey, care, or Muslim group, here it is. Look at this. I've got this clock for you. And you even say, hey, it's a clock. How do you think they would react? Do you think they'd go, oh, look, that's a clever looking clock. I wonder if you'll get an invitation to the White House for being so clever, Doc Thompson. Probably not, no. What, how do you think, think, think they would react, Skip? They're going to probably call the cops on you, I would think. Why do you think that would? Because that's what they do. Yes, it exactly. Looks like a bomb. They, that's the whole point. And ridiculous. then your point is over. In fact, the city of Irving needs to do that. They need to get some, hire some people, some uh, private investigators, whatever, to pull this off on tape at like 10 different facility meeting of primarily Muslim people. And you know their reaction is going to be, oh, they're here to blow us up. And then you go, hey, look at this, jury. Here you go. Everybody else thought this, even people. You. How about I showed up at Ahmed's house, the clock kid? Hey, look, I built a clock too. What do you think the family would be saying? Do you think they would go, oh, wow, cool clock. Hey, check mine out. Maybe we can compare notes, compare clocks. What would their first thought be? That you're there to harm. To harm them, exactly. But no, no, no. He was infringed. Got to give the $15 million or whatever. Wow. I'm so tired of this BS. And now they've become poster, poster children. This is the, the poster boy for having their rights infringed because I'm just an evil person that hates other people. Well, we'll see what happens in the next couple of years because there's been another poster child who's actually been gotten in a little bit of trouble. You may remember from about 2013, uh, a, a, a cutter-born man named Sadiq Long. He became the poster boy for the uh, Islamophobia related to the no-fly list. Now, uh, I'll lay it out. wait a minute, I remember that case. That was 
where they said he was on the no-fly list and shouldn't have been, and he was just being targeted? Yeah, he was. He's actually, I believe, born in uh, born in Oklahoma, but had had regular travels back to Qatar. He had gone back to Qatar to visit his ailing mother and was not allowed to travel back to America. And for some reason, uh, with perfect time in the news, that got huge attention. Care even got behind it. Mother Jones was behind How it. How dare you? All You're just going people. after this guy. You put him on the no-fly list because of all of these things. You're just evil people targeting people based on their race and their faith. Well, there's an update to him because he's uh, just been arrested with his family. <laughs> border of Turkey as a uh, member of ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> him and his family, part of an ISIS cell, and he now sits in uh, sits in a jail cell. Too. Oh, so what you're saying was because they targeted him unnecessarily when he had no affiliation to ISIS, that ticked him off to the point that he became radicalized. It's our fault. No, no, he was he was part of ISIS actually. Oh, yeah. of course, that's how they'll spin it. That's how they come out with it. But it's great now too, <laughs> since he was such the poster child of all this stuff. There's been some people who've been going back and noticing some of uh, Mr. Long's interviews. Really. I have a choice interview with you when he was on with MSNBC with Chris Hayes. Check this out. Sadek and I, I, I don't want to, uh, uh, I don't want to endorse the suspicion that has been cast upon you for no reason that we know. But, but, but I do want to ask you, since you're here, do you know why you were put on the list? Do you have affiliations with people that would that would put make you a suspicious individual? I have no idea, really. That is hilarious. I, no I have no clue. idea. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm a member of ISIS, but mm. uh, I mm. can't think of any reason they would put me on the list. Uh, I mean, I have regular phone calls with people who've already been mm. busted trying to go ahead and blow stuff up all across the world, but I don't know mm -hmm. why they would put me on the list. When you're editing out that other part of the show today after the show, uh, I'm speaking to people in the control room, could you take that piece that we just did uh, and send that to Chris Hayes? Could you go ahead and email that, that little link to Chris Hayes and get him to check that out? Okay, good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think Chris Hayes needs to, uh, you know, you have any reason why they do this to you, innocent person? Any reason whatsoever? I got no reason why. So, yeah, maybe, just maybe, the <clears throat> clock kid will be arrested in a, in a couple of years trying to join some cell or trying to get There's no question somewhere. in my mind. He, you've not heard the last of this kid, whether he's paid off or not. Uh, even if this goes away from the media in the next year or so, and it's done, a ribbon put on it, they're paid off, he's not paid off, it's end of story, you will hear from him again, whether it's five years or ten. Well, and I don't remember all the details, too, but um, Clock Kid's father, too, had had some ties to um, uh, some foreign nationals, too, and was, uh, I don't think it was directly related to terrorism, but definitely was activist-related stuff uh, with some high-ranking government officials. Yeah, that some people had questioned whether it's wrong or not. I mean, yeah, whatever, but I just... It's all just I, information. I just believe that this kid is going to be trouble. Not, I'm not saying a terrorist. I don't believe in that necessarily. I'm just, which he could, any of us could. I just mean, I think this kid has kind of a chip on his shoulder about it. I think that's what, what a lot of this was about. Here's my question about the, the guy who was on the no-fly list. Has he gotten the invitation to the White House yet? I don't think so. I'm not. When I, is that coming likely? Do we know? I don't want to speak for sure because I don't know for sure. Okay. But I, I got to think it's going to be coming. Well, maybe it's Thanksgiving. Uh, it could delay stuff. Maybe he's coming over for Thanksgiving. I mean, they'll get him in for the holidays, though, right? Well, you know how, how, how they always pardon a turkey? Oh, maybe what he's going to be What if, just throwing well. this out, or not saying again this is going mm -hmm, to happen, but mm -hmm. what if... Maybe the president pardons a terrorist instead of a turkey. Oh, that could be. It makes about as much sense. So uh, do we know um, if he's going to be part of the lighthouse uh, tree lighting ceremony? Or That hasn't happened yet, right? No, not yet. Oh, you know what? I think this guy, you just go ahead and put it the, uh, the tree in New York. 
Has that one been illuminated yet? Rockefeller Center? Is I that? I think so. I don't know mm, for sure. That'd be a good one to do with this guy because eventually he's going to get it, just like the clock kid got the invitation to the White House. We should keep him out of New York, though, right now. No, think. no, he's fine. He's fine. Right? I mean, we know it's not a problem. What a bunch of nonsense. Sometimes this stuff turns out to be true. And of course, they're going to bang the drum. Anytime this stuff comes up, you know, back in the day when he was on the no-fly list, to pretend like there's nothing to see here and you're just a hater if you even dare to question it. Back to the, Paris te- the attacks in Paris. Not all Muslims are terrorists. Not all terrorists are Muslims. There are plenty of Muslims who don't want to bother anybody else and just want to practice their faith. However, most terrorists in America, in modern times, their terror is based on being radicalized as part of their Islamic faith. Those are all facts. Those are all facts that you cannot dispute. You can try, but if you're trying to dispute them, it's for some agenda you have, whether you're extremist right or extremist left. Not all terrorists are Muslims. Not all Muslims are terrorists. And most terror in America or in the West at this point in modern times is committed by people who are doing it because of their radicalized Islamic faith. No, it's, it's very simple. And the fact that so many people can't say that, can't acknowledge that, particularly in, in the administration itself, the president of the United States, anybody on the Democratic uh, uh, ticket for president, too, they don't want to say that. And I can't figure out why. I mean, you can't even be honest with yourselves like we are, too, saying that, yes, not all Muslims are terrorists, but the terror that's going on right now is being committed by radical Islamic terrorists, people who are using their twisted view of Islam to, to cause these attacks. The fact that people can't be honest and just say that is, is sad. There have been multiple politicians. In fact, Gaz, Gavin Newsom on... Um, Bill Maher? Yeah, Bill, Real Time with Bill Maher. Is it Real Time? Is that the show? Yeah. Real Time with Bill Maher on HBO. Are politically incorrect, no. No, it's Real Time. Real time yeah, Real Time now. Yeah, I think it's Real Time. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Whatever, it's Bill Maher's show on HBO. Anyway, um, he was interviewing Lieutenant Governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who used to be the mayor of San Francisco. By the way, watch Gavin Newsom, likely going to be the governor of California at some point, and will likely... He's actually already announced. He's running in... Is he 20, running? Okay. He's running in 2018. He has already announced. Okay, he's already announced. This guy is, is so ego-driven and so crazy, and he will likely throw his hat in the ring at some point for president of the United States. He, he will be on the stage with other Democrats at some point uh, debating... Like, much like they are now for 2016, years in the future. This is just going to happen. Anyway, so he's on with Bill Maher, and they were talking about all kinds of progressive stuff. Of course, unchallenged, just throwing stuff out there. And I challenged Gavin Newsom, come on our program. Debate me if your ideas are so good. Of course, they won't, because he's scared. He knows people like us will expose him for what he is. If you're not Gavin Newsom, come on the program. Otherwise, we just have to label you puss. That's what you are. Regardless, though, on the program last night, as I was watching, and I think it's a week long that they rotate on HBO's how they do it, he talked about all kinds of progressive stuff and even brought up guns. Bill Maher talked to him about guns. And he threw out a bunch of uh, BS statistics about guns, people who own guns, and the amount of crimes committed with guns, leaving out all kinds of information. But then suggested that most terror in America is committed by people with guns. Look at all the terror created. They've started trying to equate what goes on in Paris with people like Adam Lanza who goes into schools or movie theaters or anything like this and shoots the place up. Trying to equate the two. And that is not the same. It's nowhere near the same. 
Would you consider somebody going and shooting up a school or a movie theater terrorism? No, because those people aren't necessarily attacking an idea or ideals. These people have a screw loose. These people are crazy. James Holmes, who went into a, a, a Denver movie theater and shot up a bunch of people, that wasn't because he was trying to advance some sort of a political cause or that he was uh, guided by his Christian uh, beliefs or his atheistic beliefs. It's because he's freaking crazy. Even the, the guy who uh, shot Gabby Gifford, too. He was, he was crazy. He didn't have any uh, strong ideological beliefs in saying, well, I'm going to shoot her because of this, that, or the other. That was not the case. So That wasn't even a Republican versus Democrat <clears throat> thing, because if I recall correctly, he right. was a registered Democrat. Yeah, you're right. It, it's not. So these people are not doing it because of some extremist ideology. Their goal is not to create terror, as we define terror, meaning multiple things, to create fear and then a, a bunch of other domino effects from it. Their goal is to kill people so they can get their name in the news, but not an ideology. This is not terrorist. President Obama has also tried to compare the two. That is not the case. They are trying to spin this to go after your guns in a different way. They know it's not true. I'm just telling you that's out there so you can be prepared to fight that argument around the water cooler or around the turkey when your crazy cousin goes, Hey, all these people that shoot up schools, that's terror too. They're not Muslim. That's not terrorism. Stock Thompson at Skip Lacombe, pinch hitting for Pat and Stu today. Tell us your thoughts by following at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe and using the hashtag What I Learned Today. that he's doing this well. I just did not expect Ted Cruz to do this well. I, I had hoped he would do real well. Early on, uh, a year or so ago, Skip and I were talking on the air about who we think would be a pretty good president and threw out some names, and we had a handful of people. And early on, with virtually no vetting, and there's still more to do, of course, Ted Cruz was one of my frontrunners. Rand Paul, I liked him quite a bit. These are people that were you know, near the top of my list. And Skip and I talked on the air, and Skip said, so who do you think is going to get the nomination? For the Republicans. And I said, um, if I went a safe bet, um, I would probably go a, who did we say at that time for a safe bet? Do you remember? Was it a, a uh, Jeb Bush? Probably a Jeb that? Bush, maybe a Marco right. Rubio. Not, not that I wanted Jeb Bush, but I thought he would be a safe bet for people. And I said, but my gut tells me Ted Cruz. Out of nowhere. The guy does not uh, at the time have the same uh, amount of um, backing. People didn't know who he was. But somehow, lo not logically, just in my gut, I thought, I don't know, something's telling me this guy's got a real shot at this. And then I just chalked it up to, ah, it's wishful thinking because he's one of your guys, somebody you like. And then throughout this process, during the debates, he's been kind of right there in the middle. Well, now a new poll shows him second place in Iowa behind Donald Trump. Cruz, a surging past Ted Cruz, or uh, Ben Carson. That's pretty wild. Who is this by? This is a... Uh, oh, this is a CBS <coughs> News poll. CBS actually. News poll. And this is the poll that I, uh, I believe I saw earlier. I think it had uh, Trump at 25% and Ted Cruz at like 22%. It was just a couple percentage points off. And I think uh, Ben Carson had fallen down to somewhere around 18 at that point, too, which is great. I mean, you really want to be... Um, for a Ted Cruz, I mean, if I were him, I'd want to be right in this position right now. I don't know if I'd even want to be the front runner. Uh, Trump being able to hold on to the number one spot for as long as he has um, is, is incredible. 
Actually, there the actual breakdown too. Trump was at 30% and Cruz is down to 21, uh, just above Ben Carson at 19%. But at that point too, like I had said, um, generally speaking, a, a front runner in a campaign, and he has been the front runner for almost a year now at this point, usually doesn't hold on to it. Trump right. really gets kind of broken the mold in that. But for, for Ted Cruz, I'd want to be in that position right now, too, because he still does have the, the, uh, the financial backing and has a huge war chest. Donald Trump is a wild card through this whole thing. Any, anytime you're anybody discussing anything about this, Donald Car Trump is a wild card. Ben Carson's not even that much of a wild card. He is, but he, you, can, you can compare him to candidates that have run in the past. Trump is, is really unique in this thing. So anything that I come up with, you come up with, anybody else comes up with, you have to factor in this ultimate wild card. It's probably the equivalent of several wild cards in this. And then the reason that he's so successful, that people are so ticked off about what's going on, that matters a whole lot. That could disrupt, up, uh, disrupt every other narrative and everything we know about elections in modern times. So having said that, take Donald Trump out of the mix or just set him aside for a second. This is still Iowa. I would expect a Ted Cruz to do really well in Iowa. He's not doing as well in New Hampshire, but he's doing that well in Iowa. It makes sense. Staunch conservative, strong faith, constitutionalist. He's going to do well in Iowa. But he's now surged past Ben Carson, who leads with his faith even more, Skip. Mm -hmm. How is he pulling that off? Why now? I don't know. I think it's just a matter of timing, too. And that's the, uh, the $100,000 question, too, is exactly how do you navigate the, the time frame it takes to have a campaign like this and what truly resonates, too. And I think it changes not only uh, election cycle to election cycle, but day to day, I think it changes. That's why you see so many ebbs and flows in, in terms of these polls, too. They've been Jebs a, a, and a flows? roller coaster. Jebs and flows, no, did you say? No, ebbs, ebbs and flows. Who's ebb? No, Ab, it's a, it's a, oh, like a, a like a speak, give and take know, in, in and, and out. Down, okay, you know? okay, I'm sorry. Idiot. Yeah, speaking of Jeb Bush, he's down to five percent in Iowa. <laughs> in fifth place, yeah, fifth place, fifth place in Iowa, five percent. <laughs> he was supposed to be the the front runner. I mean, just blow everybody out of the water. He's raised gargantuan amounts of money, <clears throat> down to five percent. This makes my heart sing. I mean, whether or not I can have somebody that I like, like a Ted Cruz, all right, that could be upsetting. There are going to be people I don't like, but I cannot fathom even the possibility that Jeb Bush would become president. I am so burnt on the Bushes. I am so burnt. Do you know what the damage that they have done in modern times, the damage that even the, the father has done? Who started down this? Well, a little bit of progressivism is okay. Oh, it's okay. Compassionate conservatism. That's crap. That's accepting bad in the name of whatever else, infringing rights. And when you do that, it just moves the goalpost. If you're staunch, and ultimately you end up giving a little bit. Okay, because Reagan said, you know, 90%. If I get 90% on what I want, that's pretty good. Great. But if you start off with the idea, well, I only have to get 90%. Well, I got 88. That's pretty close. That's good enough. And then you start off, well, I only have to get 88%. Well, I get 82. And before you know it, you end up like the Republicans that have many members of Congress with a conservative rating by multiple agencies that get an F, under 60%. Some get under 50%, at which point you're simply a Democrat. Democrats don't have that. Why? Because of the compassionate conservative nature of the George H.W. Bush and then George W. Bush. 
Some guys who just grew government, spent gobs and gobs of money, political payoff to friends and people who backed them, all with failed ideas, but they still use the C word. I'm a conservative, so people buy it. I cannot imagine having Jeb Bush as president. I won't stand for it. I, seriously, this cannot happen. When Jeb you, has to lose. And you're talking about New Hampshire, too. And yeah, New Ted, Hampshire? Yeah, you're saying uh, about New Hampshire. Ted Cruz has not been doing as well in New Hampshire as he has been in Iowa. Uh, um, uh, Trump is still uh, uh, leading far and away there. Um, the interesting thing about that, though, is a lot of independents have actually been being pulled in Iowa, saying that Donald Trump is bringing them into the GOP. Could you see yourself and on any fashion, depending on even a Ted Cruz running mate, voting for a Donald Trump? Say Hillary Clinton and uh, against Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there's a lot of stuff in Trump's history that is concerning, but here's my deal on Donald Trump. I don't even know if he particularly cares that much about issues really of themselves. I think he would do what he's told in terms of from, from the GOP or from his constituents, that uh, the, the questions we have about some of the things in his past, I'm not so sure he truly cares too much about uh, abortion rights like he had been before or would have any... Uh, uh, cause to infringe gun mm. rights. I think he would generally just act like the conservative that he knows he's supposed to be right now. That's a good point. You know what? We've I, I beat up Donald Trump. Listen, Donald Trump's not my guy, and I can't vote for him. If you can, that's fine. I like some of what Donald Trump's done. First of all, getting attention and bringing people um, into the debate that maybe wouldn't have been there, some people to recognize, hey, there are some ideas that maybe you haven't been exposed to. Bringing up issues and making them at the forefront again, issues like illegals in America and Kate Steinle and the bad that illegals wow. are doing, like gunning her down, that is great. Thank you, Donald Trump. And I get his passion and his anger and his frustration and wanting to just kick some butt. Wonderful. I can't vote for him because I vote on track record. I vote on, and I do this consistently, what you have shown me. I can't take the sudden conversion to conservatism. I can't trust it because I've been screwed by that before. I need to show a track record. If Donald Trump, Trump has really seen the light and now gets all this stuff... Why did he just see the light a couple months ago? And I guess the only difference for me, and now I completely agree with you, that's the same reason I wasn't able to vote for Mitt Romney the last election cycle, is that Trump has less of a track record in terms of actually being in politics, and most of his decisions or thoughts, feelings have been based off of presumably business decisions in the past. Again, that, that doesn't excuse them. He had been wrong in the past. Again, I just come back to the thing of, I'm not sure Donald Trump really cares more about the issues just in terms of doing what he's supposed to do to make him look good. And now he's got to put on his I'm a conservative GOP hat. Yeah, and you're right about that, Skip. Maybe that's uh, more of what it is, that in the past when he's, because he doesn't have a, a voting record because he wasn't a politician. And that's but, the only difference where I say I could maybe, possibly, I, I could envision I, I, I would surrender part of that when I couldn't do that with Mitt Romney. Right, exactly. And I understand what you're saying. That, that does make sense. It's something that I hadn't really considered a whole lot. He doesn't have a voting track record. So if he came out and said, oh, yeah, abortion's fine or whatever, maybe it's just because he doesn't really care one way or the other. And I don't think he does is my point. That's why I, say I mean, I'm not excusing yeah, and, and saying that's okay or that's horrible. I'm just saying... But and in that, I think that he, even if he were elected president, I could be very wrong here too. This is just speculation that if he he did become president, he could potentially do a pretty good job because he knows he has to do or continue those conservative things because that's the character that Donald Trump is playing today. His ego, I think, would um, would really drive him to do a good job. That's that's the one good thing Donald Trump gets elected. I think his ego would drive him to actually do a good job. That he would put in the time. Could he get it done? I don't know. I just think it's fascinating. There are so many people that are that are getting on the Donald Trump bandwagon, knowing that he has a, a horrible track record for the things that he's supported, you know, so-called conservatives. 
Why would you do that? Because they're just tired. The Donald Trump effect in this is not really about Trump. It is more about the backlash against D.C. It's the hating on D.C. And not just hating on D.C., but hating on D.C. and seeing that there's somebody that may have an, uh, an opportunity to stick it to D.C., to screw with them, to say what needs to be said. Screw you. Beat them up. Go in there and kick some butt. That's what we want to see, right? We're tired of this stuff. And that's what Donald Trump brings to the table. Now, there's some good news, whether it's Trump or Cruz or Marco Rubio or whoever. Latest poll shows that six, six Republicans, when put up against Hillary Clinton, six near the top, would all beat her handily, some more than others, all beating Hillary Clinton. And then the seventh, Carly Fiorina, ties Hillary Clinton in a general election at 42%. Well, and Marco Rubio, who leads that pack, actually really beats her. It'd be 50% to 42%, an eight-point lead if you take a look at Marco Rubio. Mm -hmm. So very, very interesting. So, so regardless of, uh, of who ends up being there, it looks like at least if Hillary is going up against them today, if we look at the polls, have a pretty good chance against her. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. Why? Is it Hillary? There's, she has a lot of supporters out there. So you're telling me, okay, you got the people on the left, you got the people on the right, the Republicans and the Democrats, right? You got the people that are already in their camp. They're definitely not going to vote for Hillary. Or they definitely would vote for the Democrat nominee or whatever. We're talking about the people in the middle then that you're swaying. This is always what it is, this meaty middle, not the people that are in one camp or another. Meaty middle. Why would they vote for a, Ted, or a, a, a Marco Rubio in that level over a Hillary Clinton? The minority thing is potentially out the window. Yeah. They both have, you know, one in their column about that, woman versus Hispanic. So why? What does he bring to the table? It's got to be a hatred for Hillary Clinton and not a track record because they're very, very different. Otherwise, Marco Rubio would be doing better in other things and whatever. You'd have other Republicans doing just as well. Why? It's got to be a backlash, much like the Bushes, against the Clintons. At the end of the day, the Democrat Party is going to have a harder time, I think, as we get closer to the election. Yeah, they're not in a good shape. Quick break in. It's Doc Thompson at Skip Lacombe in for Pat and Stu with you tomorrow as well as we head on down to Thanksgiving. This is crazy. This is nuttiness right here. I have a uh, still shot picture. Skip, uh, Skip Lacombe has done extensive research on rap music, yes. on uh, Killers, and on Mike. Uh -huh. Who is Killer Mike? Killer Mike is a, is a rapper. What, what do, do you know any of his hit songs? I, Does he I have hit records? Was he number either. one on the hit parade? I, I got to like be that? honest with you. I'm not super familiar with the, uh, with the musical stylings of Killer Mike. Do you celebrate his entire catalog? I don't celebrate any of his catalog. Okay. I've never heard of him before today. I don't know if you know anything about rap music, but it is, uh, it is very much racially driven. Sure. It's the reason I rate. Often very much directed at uh, non-black non people, specifically white people, and often um, very violent. Oh, yeah, okay. Suggestive. Uh-huh. 
um, graphic, gritty, at times, dirty, yes, sexual, yeah. uh, laden with drug use or references to drug use. Sounds like you've done some extensive research into rap music as well. Just a little bit, just okay. a little bit. And uh, apparently, uh, Killer Mike, a rapper, sat down with Bernie Sanders. And here's the picture of Killer Mike and Bernie Sanders. Now, isn't that just an amazing picture right there? You know what that looks like to me? And take a close look. You ever go to any of those roadside attractions where the person that's shorter ends up taller? And you get that weird little thing <laughs> yeah. they stand on, or there's something like the disproportionate. The funhouse you know? mirror where something is disproportionate. That's what it looks like. He is like seven times the size of Bernie Sanders and one fifth of the age. Because uh, yeah. Mike's got to be, what, uh, 40? Something like that? Something like that. So it's about, yeah. But he's uh, 160. Yeah, apparently Monday afternoon, the two of them went to Busy Bee, mm. which is a soul food restaurant in Vermont. <laughs> All of the soul food restaurants in Vermont. Sorry, Vermont, I love you, but I can't imagine you have a lot of soul food restaurants. If I'm wrong, hey, correct me, but... So Bernie and Mike slide into a booth uh -huh. together. They order some chicken. That was Killer Mike's uh, personal suggestion, uh -huh. and they uh -huh. decided to break a little bread together. This is all part of Bernie Sanders trying to reach out to the community and court black voters, too, by partying... With Killer Mike, <laughs> eating chicken at the soul food restaurant. Can you, can you think of a better idea of just a, a parody of the whole situation than Bernie Sanders meeting with a rapper at a soul food restaurant ordering chicken and soul food? Well, it's, and the worst part insane. is, you know these knuckleheads are going to see this and be like, oh, Bernie Sanders, yes, this is part of outrage. I could trust him now. He sat down with Killer Mike just because he's a Democrat and a socialist. They're gonna, they're, yes, absolutely. But if, if Ted Cruz had done that, what would people be saying? If Ted Cruz said, hello, Killer Mike, I'd like to sit out at the soul food restaurant with you, what would they say? They'd be mocking yeah, exactly. him. They'd be going, oh, sure, you got to go to a soul food restaurant. Sure. What's your favorite Killer Mike song, Ted Cruz? Oh. <laughs> right. No, so much so that, I mean, Ted Cruz had to defend his Cuban um, uh, 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 national ethnicity, or right. ethnicity, too, to people saying, oh, so you listen to Cuban music? Like what? And then he laid off a couple of them. Yeah. No one's going to do this with Bernie Sanders, though. Ted Cruz is not Hispanic, they say, because he's Cuban which, of course, is Hispanic. But they're going to go ahead and give a pass to Bernie Sanders saddling up with a rapper at a soul food restaurant. Hilarious. i got to ask you, Mike. I was, I was thinking of trying the cornbread, but I want to make sure that it doesn't have the actual pieces of corn in it because I don't like that. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did they party later? I, I think you probably did. Is there any Cristal? Trust me, if up? you hang out with Killer Mike, you're going to party. Doc Thompson, Skip Lacombe in for Pat and Stu. Join us on the Twitter. We'll talk to you later.